If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Thanks for joining me today at InvestorIdeas.com, clean tech and climate change podcast, looking at today's problems and solutions for the future. I'm your host, Don Van Zandt, founder of InvestorIdeas.com, and hoping to share our way of making a difference in climate change. Welcome to today's special edition of the Clean Tech and Climate Change podcast. I'm talking to Jean-Pierre Collin, Executive Vice President and Director of Dynasert Inc. He is also President and CEO of Galaxy Power Inc., a private company lobbying the federal government of Canada to foster flow-through shares for clean technology companies. Jean-Pierre launches a new educational series for consumers and investors in the clean tech space, starting with carbon credits, what they are and how they work. First of all, let's start with one of the biggest issues I think everybody's talking about, and there's so much confusion and controversy over carbon credits. If you can explain um, what they are, how they work, and the advantages of those. Well, thank you, Don, and it's an honor to be uh, having this interview with you. So let me get right into it. Most people agree that in Canada and worldwide, carbon credits or carbon offsets play a paramount role in advancing our cleaner planet. And this was devised by the United Nations and approved by over 160 nations globally at the Paris Agreement, and it's contained, carbon credits are, uh, are contained in Article 6 of that Paris Agreement. And the idea is, um, and I'm going to give a few definitions here for the purposes of conversations, the idea behind carbon credits is to give corporations or large entities and organizations that create carbon credits or that create, and I'll explain what that is, we call them project developers or project owners. So there's a group of constituents that reduce carbon emissions by creating these carbon credits. And there's also interest by investors and speculators wishing to acquire or trade carbon credits. Uh, We'll call them users of carbon credits. And then there are polluters wishing to offset their carbon emissions, and we'll call them users that retire carbon credits, i.e. they apply them against their greenhouse gas emissions. So let me explain, delve into all this. There are I guess you could divide the world of carbon credits into two kinds. Each carbon credit represents one metric ton of greenhouse gas emissions that are either avoided or removed from the atmosphere. So there's a number of greenhouse gases. They include carbon dioxide, CO2, uh, nitrous oxides like NOx, CH4. Uh, So the nomenclature Uh, The CO2 equivalent, which is one ton of CO2 equivalent carbon credits, uh, combines all these pollutants in one single unit. By way of general nomenclature in the industry, carbon credits are produced by developers and carbon offsets are retired by polluters who wish to offset their greenhouse gas emissions. And we'll talk about this process a little bit more later. There are numerous regulated and unregulated carbon credit markets throughout the, the planet. Uh, and we can segment them in two general groups. Generally, we call one group the compliance market and the other group the voluntary carbon market. 
So we'll talk first about the compliance markets. The compliance markets are regulated by government entities. They operate in various international jurisdictions. The carbon market values recently have reached all-time highs in terms of their trading. So in early 2021, there was uh, about $272 billion of compliance carbon credits being traded. That represents a 20% increase over 2019. So that's quite a substantial growth. And the total traded volume is estimated to be over 10 billion tons of carbon. So that's quite significant. As of June this year, I counted about 64 carbon pricing initiatives around the world in the compliance market. Uh, so they include emission trading schemes that we call ETSs and carbon tax schemes, which are either currently implemented or scheduled to be implemented or under consideration. And these represent, amongst these 45 national jurisdictions covered by these initiatives and 35 what we call sub-national jurisdictions like provinces or states uh, within these countries. And these initiatives would cover uh, over just about over 11 gigatons of CO2 equivalent. And that represents about 21% of global GHG emissions. So that's a very significant initiative around the world going on right now. In Canada and some provinces, we've developed our own initiatives that cover certain economic sectors. While at the federal level in 2019, many of our listeners will know the government implemented a change on fuel and baseline and credit for emission-intensive and trade-exposed industrial facilities, and that's called the Output-Based Pricing System, or OBPS. So that's the compliance market. Now we'll talk about the exponentially growing voluntary carbon credit market. Voluntary carbon credits are administered by independent, non-government organizations. These voluntary offset projects are often managed by international standards and international programs, and some are also managed by just local organizations. The voluntary carbon market is important because it's poised right now to expand dramatically in the years ahead. Uh, and that's driven by the global commitments to reduce emissions by 50% by 2030 and net zero by 2050 from the 2010 levels uh, to meet the Paris Agreement's target of reducing the temperature of the world by 1.5 degrees centigrade. It's estimated by some that in addition to direct emission reductions, they will require a 15-fold scale-up of voluntary offset projects by 2030 in order to meet the expected demand. So we're going to hear a lot more about this. And these numbers come from the task force on scaling voluntary carbon, carbon markets, which was led by the former governor of the Bank of Canada and the former governor of the Bank of England, uh, Mr. Mark Carney, who's very famous now for this. Generally, voluntary high-quality carbon offsets from reputable projects and programs usually trade at a value between $20 to $35 per ton of carbon credit or per carbon credit uh, across Canada and the U.S. That compares actually favorably with, if you look at in the compliance carbon market, CARB, California Air Research Board, holds auctions of carbon credits every uh, every quarter, so four times a year. 
uh, and, and their average price is in and around $20 US per ton. To develop a voluntary offset project, and this applies to most business corporations today around the world, uh, and also voluntary groups, to develop these voluntary offset projects, a project developer or project owner first has to select an offset standard or an offset program which, uh, under which that particular project can be developed. Probably a dozen program authorities worldwide in the voluntary market, but there's four leading program authorities in the world that if you're doing research in carbon credits, you're going to come across. And the most important one, or the largest one, I guess is a better way to say it, is the VERA, V-E-R-R-A, a program, which is based out of Washington, D.C., but it's an international program. They created the Verified Carbon Standard Program, and it's the largest program worldwide with over 1,700 offset projects, and they have now registered over 500 million offsets in their program. The second well-known uh, project uh, authority in the voluntary carbon market is the gold standard, uh, program. The third one is the American Carbon Registry, and the four, fourth one is the Climate Action Reserve. Most developers of voluntary carbon markets will register under one of these four programs, but there's still another eight or nine out there that uh, are in development as well. It's also possibly worth mentioning that the ISO international standards also have criteria that are applied to voluntary carbon market programs, and that's, for anybody interested, ISO 14064-2, which has become very well recognized in the carbon credit development program. So each voluntary standard or program has an administrative body called a program authority. And the program authority oversees the project process and ensures that offsets are developed and meet established program requirements. So it's not willy-nilly, there's strict rules and guidelines. So the, 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 the program authority will develop and maintain a set of quality standards, including the validation, the verification processes, the public registries where offset projects are registered, where anybody can go online and see what these projects are, uh, as well as the ownership, keeps, they keep track of the ownership and the retirement of carbon offsets under each such program. And these or organizations also certify independent third-party auditors called validation and verification bodies, and they do the legwork, these verification bodies, for the specific types of carbon credits, these verification bodies verify that the carbon credit actually exists, i.e. the carbon was actually avoided or reduced uh, in the atmosphere. And so th these are more scientific organizations and engineering firms. Once a project design, so let's say you're a developer of carbon credits, once you have your project design is developed according to a program standard, a third-party validator is required to validate the project before it can be listed in the public registry. And similarly, I would say once the project is operational, then there are regular audits, including site visits, uh, which are performed by independent verif verifiers to ensure compliance with the criteria and the standards of the selected program. So, and only after this independent verification is completed 
Well, the carbon units, or in the case of Vera, they're called verified carbon units. They're then issued, and they can be traded in the voluntary carbon credit market. So you can see that there's a whole lengthy, very detailed process that goes on before any of these voluntary registries actually create that carbon credit. It's worth mentioning also that an organization called CORSIA, C-O-R-S-I-A, which stands for the Carbon Offsetting and Reduction Scheme for International Aviation. They have been uh, very successful. Uh, right now, th they are uh, developed by the International Civil Aviation Organization. And since October 2016, they have been creating a voluntary uh, offset program, which is represented now by airlines from 80 countries, uh, which represents about 77% of international aviation emissions. These airlines have volunteered to offset their GHG emissions by buying these carbon credits. That has provided, Corsia has provided about $40 billion in funding through this mechanism for carbon, for climate change projects. And they've they claim they've offset over 2 billion tons of CO2 emissions, or they will offset 2 billion tons between now and 2035. So these are very significant uh, organizations that if one wants to understand the carbon credit market, one has to, organization, one has to understand the functioning of these organizations. Now, the problem, there's a problem and an opportunity in the carbon credit market. First of all, it's an unregulated market. Even though there are, market, there are voluntary organizations that create rules and regulations and procedures, there's no oversight to the carbon credit market. And everybody, uh, many organizations and people have used different systems of oversight. So as a result, there's no real liquidity in carbon credits. Uh, there's no access to the traditional capital markets or the financial markets. Um, there's no price discovery mechanism, and by that I mean it's very difficult for a developer to know at what price, their, what, what, what value or what price they could sell their carbon credits at. There's no organized marketing structures to raise money for developers and, and to trade carbon credits. There's no regulatory environment with respect to trading and investing in carbon credits. There's no trading transparency. There are trades that are reported, but when you're actually trying to buy or sell a carbon credit, you don't know what the whole market is doing. There's no organized or regulated funding mechanisms. There's no there's counterparty risk because it's it's a, a buyer or seller of carbon credits doesn't have the security of a stock exchange. Um, they're trading a bit like when you buy something on eBay, you don't know who the person at the other end might really be. There's no requirement either for continuous disclosure as there are in the securities market. So you buy a carbon credit at your own risk. But the carbon credit market is changing rapidly and it's evolving because it's growing. And I believe will become a significant global investment opportunity, just like, for example, cryptocurrency has or fintech has developed in the last few years. So I think carbon credit is definitely a market well worth watching. There are significant carbon credit industry participants. It's it's not just mom and pops here. And I'll, na I'll, I'll name a few for people who might be interested. Per Permian Global, there is the largest broker in terms of offset units in India is called NK King Int. 
E-N-K-I-N-G-I-N-T dot org. They're the largest in the world, but they're based in India. Traffic, you're a, a well-known commodities trading company is involved in carbon credit trading. Royal Bank of Canada has a division trading carbon credits. Other independent companies like Blue Source are well-known in the carbon credit brokerage business. Climaco is also a, a well-known develop, a broker. Macquarie, an international investment bank uh, and conglomerate out of um, down under, <laughs> they're international, but they are they also broker carbon credits, um, and there's many others. But those are kind of the large ones. Just to show you that it has become somewhat mainstream to trade carbon credits for the select few that have access to these particular volumes of trading and independent trading. I think it's worth talking a little bit about Vera because they're the largest. Uh, full-fledged international GHG offsetting program developer. And they're a non-profit organization. They focus, Vera focuses on GHG reduction attributes only. So they don't require their projects that are registered with them to have additional environmental or social benefits. I think at that point, it's important also to understand that a carbon credit represents a reduction in GHG emissions but GHG emissions are related to greenhouse gases, as we know, but it's not all types of pollution. So there are some programs that want to see not just uh, carbon credit that they issue, they like to see social benefits and environmental benefits also. But for, for Vera, they're, they're strictly focused on greenhouse gas emissions. Vera is broadly supported by the carbon offset industry, by project developers, large offset buyers, verifiers, project consultants, and they're active globally. They are managed and overseen by the VCS Program Authority Group and the Vera Board. And the advisory group provides strategic guidance to Vera staff and the evolution of their VCS program, the rules, insight into the support and range of their user groups. Let's just go through what they do because that's a good example of the credibility behind carbon credits. So Vera, the Vera board for, has numerous responsibilities. They're responsible for approving any substantial changes to the VCS program. They also make the final determination regarding the approval of other GSG programs under their authority. And they have the ability to suspend, uh, to suspend the approval of a program if they see things aren't going right, or they can indefinitely postpone a program. So they pr provide a bit of a watchdog function over their programs. They also have the authority to appoint and accredit validators and verifiers, i.e. the people who, who verify whether a carbon credit is a valid program, because they don't necessarily do it themselves. They approve experts in the industry to do that. And they also manage the registries of carbon credits and the registries of carbon credits that are transferred. So it's, it, imagine like an Excel spreadsheet where if you buy or sell your car, car, a carbon credit, you can register that you own that carbon credit. And if you are a polluter that wishes to offset your carbon credit, you then can retire your carbon credit by uh, registering a retirement with Vera. So they have third-party auditors, which must be accredited and those auditors work on the under the ISO 14065-2007 uh, rules of international standards organization. 
so th they have, there's a lot of different checks and balances uh, with VERA and with many other uh, voluntary carbon credit registries. But that's an example of what VERA does in a nutshell. So as I mentioned before, there are two types of carbon credits, of voluntary carbon credits, carbon avoidance projects and carbon removal projects. So carbon avoidance projects are those that help avoid emission, emitting greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere. And examples of that would be fuel switching activities or energy efficiency activities. Carbon, carbon removal projects are also called carbon sequestration projects. And those are the projects that sequester greenhouse gas emissions from the atmosphere. Examples include carbon capture and storage in concrete, for example, soil sequestration in agriculture. Those types of projects are generally known as removal projects. It's also important to understand what's developed in the markets of carbon credits. We call a post-anti-carbon credit, a carbon credit that is registered under a registry where the offset developers have created these particular carbon credits. But also, uh, so these carbon credits that are post-anti and registered on these registries are carbon credits that actually exist. They are given serial numbers. And when I say exist, they have, in fact, reduced the atmosphere or prevented the atmosphere from greenhouse gas emissions. But in the carbon credit market, we've also seen recently the development of a futures market. Actually, many different platforms will trade futures in carbon credits. And to understand that, it's important to understand that demand for voluntary carbon markets, for high-quality voluntary carbon markets, demand far exceeds supply. So what happens is if you're an airline and you have bought under Corsia uh, all you can possibly buy, but you still have greenhouse gas emissions that you're producing and you want to offset them, you would buy, you would dip into the voluntary carbon credit market to buy and retire those carbon credits. But then if you're planning at this airline, you know you're going to fly next year and the next 10 years, you have projections of what your greenhouse gas emissions might be. So you may decide to buy carbon credits that don't exist yet or futures where um, a developer says, I will create these carbon credits, but I will sell you these carbon credits today for just like in the future markets in commodities. So there's develop, there have been platforms that have developed that buy and trade futures of carbon credits. Now, you might ask, why do people buy futures? Because they expect the price to go up. Because, there's a, because demand exceeds supply, we, we can expect that prices are... Uh, have an upward pressure on them, polluters or emitters of, of greenhouse gas emissions might want to hedge or, or uh, buy in advance at a lower price carbon credits. And now, that's, that has a good social impact in the sense that it encourages developers of carbon credits to sequester carbon and to reduce, create technologies that reduce carbon emissions. So the, the current size of the voluntary carbon credit market is estimated to be about $1 billion in 2021. 
But it's very difficult to estimate because of the lack of transparency in the market. They're poised to expand dramatically in the years ahead. And as I mentioned, um, Mark Carney's group has uh, forecasted huge improvements in the size uh, and possibly the price of voluntary carbon credits in the world in the next 5, 10, 20 years. So what makes a high-quality carbon credit? Not all carbon credits are created the same. They're all from different projects. In fact, Vera has 1,700 of these. They are all from different um, types of technologies. They include industry sectors like clean technology, transportation, building, mining, oil and gas, forestry, and other new technologies that are, that are being developed right now uh, that will avoid or remove the GHGs. So if you're a developer of carbon credits, you have two ways of selling your voluntary carbon credits. You can look around and hope you find a buyer, i.e. a user. So you pick up the phone and you call them direct. And believe me, when you call most large organizations that buy carbon credits, it's very hard to find the actual person or people who actually know something about carbon credits within that organization. If you're a developer, that's one way to go. However, it's impossible to find all the buyers, and a developer has no idea if the bids for his or her own carbon credits are high enough or whether they're being lowballed by the person saying, hey, I'll buy your carbon credits for X. The other way a developer can proceed to sell their carbon credits is to find a broker of carbon credits who in turn will seek buyers of carbon credits. Now, these brokers make substantial margins for their own account uh, because the carbon credit market is not transparent. So there's no organized price discovery mechanism. As a result, even if you have one, two, or several good brokers, you still don't know if, the, if you're, as a developer, if you're getting the right market price for your carbon credits. What you do know is that you can if you research carbon credits as a developer or as a buyer of carbon credits, you can see trends emerging in the market that, or criteria that help you consider relative to other carbon credits whether your carbon credit that you're considering buying or selling is of higher quality than others. And for that, there's been a whole lingo amongst the carbon trading community that's developed as well with the uh, VERA and other organizations. They, they, they've developed a, a whole lexicon of, of words to describe quality criteria. The most important one that we come across is additionality. Buyers of carbon credits want to see some additionality. And I won't, this could be a good topic of discussion for another podcast. But they also want to see exclusive ownership claims, uh, they want to see conservative estimates. They want to see permanency of the carbon credit project. And some, some prefer carbon credits that are associated with good social values and avoidance of environmental harm. Um, and you'd wonder how could the carbon credit even cause environmental harm, but there are all sorts of criteria behind that. So recently... We've seen trends of buyers looking to purchase offsets that are, number one, preferably located where the buyers operate, so in the same jurisdictions or geographic areas. We're also seeing database projects, like in transportation, and the reliance of the data uh, becomes 
important to the credibility of the carbon credit. Uh, we've also seen carbon credits that are modeled. They're computer projections, like, for example, if you plant trees in a forest, you model how fast they will grow and how much carbon they will sequester. Um, we also see a preference for nature-based, what, what is called in the industry, nature-based solutions. So mangroves, agriculture, and we also see a preference for carbon credits that generate GHG removals, like carbon capture projects. So all these terms in the industry uh, for the neophyte can be daunting, um, but there's, there's a lot to learn about uh, good carbon credits, high-quality carbon credits, and the ones that are in higher demand than, than others. So all these valuation concepts are not familiar to participants in the securities industry um, that we operate in, Don, but we, they're certainly uh, in the carbon credit industry um, criteria that carry a lot of weight. These acquires of carbon credits like airlines and, and utility companies and oil and gas companies, mining companies, when they acquire carbon credits, they soon retire carbon credits. And what does that mean? They say they remove these carbon credits from the market. And the registries say, you have now retired your carbon credit. And, and they register that particular serial number of carbon credits, saying it is now retired. What does that mean? It means that the user, the owner of that carbon credit, has offset their GHG emissions with that carbon credit. So each carbon credit representing one ton, if they want to offset 1,000 tons, they will retire 1,000 carbon credits. So the demand for these high-quality carbon credits far outweighs supply, and it's expected to continue to grow. Now, there's also another phenomena happening here. Uh, it's what we call in the business vertical integration. So by vertical integration, we mean that large buyers of carbon offsets who seem to be looking to acquire developers of high-quality offsets directly instead of buying offsets in the market avoiding the middleman or the broker and allowing them to have greater control for each specific project. And we've noticed very recently Manulife, a great big Canadian company, has purchased a whole forest in the province of Quebec that produces carbon credits. Um, we've also seen out west in BC um, Shell Oil and Gas partnering with First Nations to source carbon credits directly. So this is an interesting new social business development happening in the market where the end buyer is going direct to the source. So as a result, the conclusion one can draw from that is that the carbon credit market is growing exponentially. There's evidence of supply ex uh, demand exceeding supply, and we expect this to grow exponentially. There are many new technologies also being developed, which will add to the reduction of GHGs globally. And these technologies are also being certified as legitimate sources of verified carbon credits. So that adds to the supply of the voluntary carbon credit market. This is fostered by international airlines, transportation multinationals, power utilities, oil and gas producers, mining operators. Uh, all these companies compete with each other for carbon credit. Well, I really thank you for joining us today because I think, again, this is so much in the news, especially with the recent conference globally. Everybody was talking about offsets. And I think I think that there is a lot of confusion. I think there's a lot of um, misunderstanding as far as how it works 
um, there's you know negative negative and positive that you hear come out, but I think basically most people really want to get educated on this because, as you said, I think this is going to become a massive industry moving forward um, if we're going to meet any of the goals that anybody's talking about. So I really appreciate your insight and your knowledge and uh, look forward to doing a follow-up because I think this is a topic that's going to be in the news for a long time. I do too, Don, and I thank you very much for this opportunity. That's it for today. Do something great for this beautiful planet each and every day. To hear more Clean Tech podcasts, visit the Clean Tech and Climate Change page on Investor Ideas. You can find it on our top template. Also, Investor Ideas has a lineup of other podcasts and themes, including the AII, the Crypto Corner, our cannabis podcast called Cannabis News and Stocks on the Move, rated one of the top investor podcasts in the sector, Play by Play, a podcast looking at sports and esports news, and Exploring Mining. To listen to any of our podcasts, visit our podcast page on Investor Ideas at InvestorIdeas.com forward slash audio. And a reminder, you can hear our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and most audio platforms available to you. If you like any of our podcasts, we would appreciate you recommending them or reviewing them on your audio platform. And to help you follow and track clean tech and renewable energy stocks, Investor Ideas has created a directory of publicly traded stocks in the sector. You can find that by going to our homepage, looking on the sidebar and looking at renewable energy and environmental themes, and you'll find our stock directories there. Investor Ideas does remind all of investors to read our disclaimers and disclosures on our site. You can find them at investorideas.com forward slash about disclaimer.asp. It is important to read these. And this podcast is not an endorsement to buy products or services or securities. Investors are reminded that all investment involves risk and a possible loss of investment. Thank you again and have a great day. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.